welcome to the podcast about Catholic things. This is Eric, the Ambassador of Common Sense, and I'm here with Dan, the Ambassador of Nonsense. Welcome, everyone. And we're going to talk about a subject that we keep threatening to talk about, but <laughs> kept putting off because all kinds of things kept happening. It. Yeah. Let me do my classic adjustment of the mic. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, we wanted to talk about men, specifically in America, and specifically the way they've, uh, they've turned into wimps and to maybe try to figure out why. Also, maybe talk about how this relates to the bishops. Well, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll talk later about the more there's, so. There's, there's one particular, uh, bishop thing that i want to talk about when we get to my segment but um that's (laughs) that it kind of goes along with it but um no but but uh you know to to uh clarify and put this into a context we already did a show about snowflakes right Mm -hmm. so yeah but what we've noticed is that the what do you what would you effeminization uh you know Lack of balls, whatever you want to call it, just wimpiness, yeah. just just unmanliness, um, seems to be a symptom of our generation too. Yeah, yeah. It's not like it's not just the millennials. Um, and you know, we also did one about toxic masculinity. Remember when Gillette had oh, that commercial? Right. They had that stupid commercial. We talked about that back then. But it's there's something wrong. And there's something seriously wrong, and I, I wonder if was this wrong in other civilizations? As you know, I mean, people talk about uh, history repeating itself, and how Rome fell because everybody got so I don't know the 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 morality went down the drain, and and people were into entertaining themselves. And I just sometimes what did they all turn into wimps? Also, was that part of it? I gotta think that something along those lines happened. I mean, because what we see in our generation seems to at least correlate with a similar kind of um, dynamic within our culture. Yeah, look how much spend we t- how much time we spend entertaining ourselves or being entertained. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know. I guess, I guess we could start by talking about the, the symptoms and why, why I'm saying American men are wimps. You know? I mean, yeah. because some people might not think, well, what's the big deal? Why do you say they're all wimpy? And I, I, I think there's plenty of evidence out there, but, you know, maybe some people don't think that's evidence. But, uh, you know, you were talking about those polls last week, I think, um, about um, such a small number of Americans being willing to fight if, say, oh, Russia yeah. attacked and then, like, yeah, Ukraine. Yeah. If, if we were in Ukraine's position, I, I forget where I heard the, the, the poll um, information, but, but somebody did a poll and... It was basically if America were in being invaded, like Ukraine yeah. is, uh, would you be willing to pick up arms and fight? Would you stay and fight? And uh, it, it was like I've it was got fifty five percent. 
would fight. How much? 55%. I think that's it was somewhere around there, but it was higher among That's the main, more main conservative majority. people. Yeah. Lower among but even among the like so-called conservative men, it was like in the 70s or something. Yeah, it was And I was just dumbfounded listening to that to that list of polls and I thought why isn't it in the 90s across the board? And maybe like 99 for conservatives and 97 for liberals or something. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> and and the weird part is that it's like 55% said they would fight. Uh, 38% said they would pick up and leave. I, I don't know where they'd go, but uh, yeah, where you're gonna I guess that's why all these refugees go that are happening in Ukraine right now. Yeah. I wonder what percent of Ukrainians are fighting. I kind of think not a lot. Yeah, it sounds like there's there's not a lot. I, I I mean, you know that some of them are are joining the Russians just because that's part of the mood in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we know, a lot of them are are leaving or trying to leave. You know, um, there's other weird little indicators like. Um, say physical versus mental health, and they asked Americans, um, "Do you think? How did they say this? Um, do you think mental health or physical health is more important? Or actually, what they said is, do you think mental health is more important than physical health? Well, the thing is that eighty-eight percent of people said that." Mental and physical health are equally important, which, okay. I mean, I can kind of see a little bit, but I, you don't have mental health if you don't have physical health. No, that's, health. I, I was thinking, I mean, no, you, you, it's like your mental health is part of an outgrowth of your physical health. I don't, I don't mean to say that if you lift weights all day, you're going to be smart. It, it doesn't work like that, but... If you don't take care of your whole body, your brain is part of your body, and your brain is is uh, certainly involved with your mental health. If you don't take care of your body as a whole, physically, as a as a total physical thing, then you're not taking care of your brain either. Yeah. Um, um, I I don't know. I I was looking through different things that would indicate people's fear and what kinds of things they worry about. Oh, and I saw people walk around wearing masks that don't need to. Well, right. I, I mean, <laughs> if that's okay, not but, a big clue. But okay, when that happened, let I, I all I can do is talk about Ohio because that's where I was when mm-hmm. the mask mandates came down. But they closed the uh, businesses before the mask mandate, didn't they? Yeah, it was almost. Or like, was it about um, the same time? It was kind of the same time. Uh, the the masks didn't really um, start really coming into play until they were starting to allow some businesses to open up. It that's was, right. That's. I mean, even if the mandates were there, it's like they didn't matter if you couldn't go anywhere because everywhere was closed. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So before the masks, let's talk about the, the closures. Um, they said we're closing down. They said uh, you got to... You're not allowed to be open, and I kept thinking, well, what are they going to do if I am open? Yeah, I never, I never stopped working, and I, I just, I just went, did what I always do, 
Now, I didn't get a lot of jobs, but if I got a job, I was there. Mm-hmm. And I kept thinking to myself, what am I going to do if they pull me over? I think I'm probably just going to say, I don't know what I was going to do. But I didn't. I thought that a small business America would yeah. say, hell no, we're not closing. No. That's were. what I thought would happen. And for some reason, they they caved. They you know, but part of it is is that we have, and, and I think this is both a symptom and a cause of this very uh, wimpishness that we're talking about. Um, over the course of, you know, so many decades, yeah. and I'm thinking probably starting even back maybe in the 20s, maybe the 30s, uh, maybe back as far as like, like maybe maybe even getting it start around, say, Prohibition or something like that. Um, we've sort of developed this uh, mindset of having permission to operate in, yeah. when it comes to, you know, whatever kinds of establishments, businesses or whatever. And I know that there, there's always been a little bit of that. I mean, uh, you know, to do certain things, you... you have to I, I don't know register with the county or something like that, right. um, but it has become such a paperwork game that it, it it's it's like everybody is beholden to the system of paperwork and not any concept of justice or how things should really go or or whatever. But see, I I, I really didn't think I didn't think it affected uh, male business owners the way it. Would did I mean most of the especially really small business as in less than five people. Mm-hmm. Um, most of them got to where they were simply because they didn't want to work for someone else, yeah. and they didn't want to be bossed around, and so they started their own thing and eventually got to the point where they could start hiring people. And so those were the first guys that those- I thought. Yeah, those are the ones who are going to say, no way, I'm not going to be told not to open my business. And then I I, I can kind of see, all right, so here's how the government did this. They, it it wasn't enough to tell the business owners to shut down. They had to tell the employees, we'll cover your paycheck, don't worry. Just don't work. And so I do know business owners who said, I can't get anyone to come to work. They're getting paid more to stay home. To to not work. There's that. But then the mask mandate came. They said, if you want to work or if you want to even go outside, you have to have this mask on. And I really didn't think, I didn't think that was going to fly at all. No. And I I went to Kroger's and it was like, I was the only one without a mask. And I got some lady following me around saying, Sarah, put your mask on. And I don't know. I just ignored her. But I've never had anybody follow me around like that. I've had a few people, you know, at the stores, they post the the mask Nazis at the front of the stores, yeah, uh, to check people coming in and hey, you you need a mask, and I take it from say thank you and stuff it in my pocket and go on into the store. Yeah, I did that at a hospital, and it was an old lady, and she just kept going, sir, but you got the sir. I felt sorry for him. Like I'm just gonna put. All right, I'll put it on. I know it's like some. You know, sometimes it's like, okay, wait a minute. Somehow these people have gotten into a state where you feel like you're mentally damaging them by yeah. showing your face. I and, I wish you know they would like, put okay, men. I, just, I feel sorry for them. Yeah, 
I wish they would put men at the front gates so that a man can tell me, put your mask on, and, and I'll say, say, no. No. <laughs> Let's go outside and duke it out. You want to you wanna make me? <laughs> yeah. But how do you say that to an old lady? I mean, I know. it's just... <laughs> they did a number on us. Anyway, but the thing is, I didn't think it would happen. And then mm-hmm. I go to Kroger's, and it and is it happening. Is. All around you. And then... Here's the thing. I thought, well, okay, I got to go to the hardware store. I didn't think it would be there at all because my yeah, thinking hardware, was. hardware, you think, okay, more, a little bit more manly crowd, whatever. Manly crowd. And most of them are like, uh, there's a lot of subcontractors. Oh, right. Who, again, make their own rules. They're yeah. there because they make their own rules. And I would think that they would say, Oh, you want me to wear a mask? I'll go spend money somewhere else. Goodbye. Yeah. And Plus, then, oh, you even know. The, the, non, the non-subcontractors, do-it-yourselfers that, that tend to be the yeah. people at hardware stores, tend to be a little bit uh, more reasoned in their approach to life. <laughs> yeah. But it, it – well, I, I think that probably did happen a little because out of all the businesses, even when the mask mandate was there – the ones that stopped enforcing it the first were the hardware stores around mm-hmm. here. Yeah. And I would go in and I would see maybe, you know, out of a crowd of 200, there might be 10 people without a mask. And there might be a Karen here and there who... Running around telling you to put like, it on. Yeah, just keeps <clears throat> yelling and complaining and whining and nobody's listening to her. And But it's it was... It was just really hard for me to see because I thought, well, that's not going to happen. And then it happened. And and so I started to wonder, well, is it is it one of those cases where look, I just need to get I need to get through my day. I need to go to the store, buy the stuff, get home. I don't have time to fight over a mask. And so they wore their masks. And is it just that they decided this isn't the hill to fight on? I don't think so, because. I see people our age-ish wearing yeah. masks where they don't need to, such as walking alone outside or driving alone in their car. Yeah. I, I mean, just, just absolutely a lot ridiculous yeah. situations. And I and yeah, I think, you know, the only way that that guy's doing that is because in some way or other, he's a wimp. Somehow he's been made afraid of something... That he clearly doesn't even understand. Okay. Well, then there you go. We've got a separation here. We've got the guys who are wearing them by themselves are lost causes. It's not even worth trying to convert them. Oh, yeah. And then the guys who pull the mask down and walk around with their nose sticking out and (laughs) things like that. Yeah. Kind of like the uh, almost passive-aggressive kind of... Right. (laughs) I'll do it, but I'm going to do it wrong. So why aren't they? Why aren't they with me and just taking the mask off? Take it off and all saying, the way. No, anyway. I'm not going to wear it. You can't make me wear it, mm-hmm. and you can't make me not go outside and go shopping or whatever. Because yeah. you know, if I'm we all prisoned in my house kept our businesses open, they couldn't do anything. You would have thought that some there must be. Uh, some kind of gathering of people who do business, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and and 
you would think that one of them at least would say, hey, if we shut down, we're probably never going to reopen because that happened a lot. You would think the doggone chamber of commerce of every city would right. be gathering its business owners together that are members and saying, you know what, let's not stand for this. Let's all pitch in together and agree to support each other, and we're all going to open our businesses. Yeah. You would think they would do that. That's kind of their job is to support commerce. Yeah. And to support the businesses of the city. Here's the thing. When I drive around and I see all the businesses that are now closed and probably never going to open again, or businesses that have taken such a beating that they only have half, if as many, employees as they used to and i know they're suffering but i kind of feel like well it's your own fault yeah you closed why did you do that that was so stupid let it happen to you i mean there are a couple restaurants around us now other restaurant buyers came in and bought them and restarted them but i know they're not doing as well as the originals and i don't think they'll last very long i think it'll still end up going back to the big you know, the the larger chains. I don't mm-hmm. think the small ones are going to last. Other than those who had stood up, there there's like two in our whole city in Cincinnati oh, okay. who stood up to the walls. It's I don't know if they're open. still open or not. But from what I hear, everybody who stood up to the law is packed all the time because uh, people wanted to go there because they felt like someone was fighting for them. I don't know. It was... I, I, I remember Rush Limbaugh coming on and talking about how sad he felt um, when he's driving around and seeing all these businesses closed. Mm-hmm. And I felt that, but I was I, I was heartbroken by the fact that it wasn't that the government shut them down; it's that they complied. The owners let them. Yeah, I mean, it's like it. it I, I know you're not supposed. to compare things to the holocaust but it's just the jews were thrown into camps they didn't have to be they could have said no we're not going they could have fought and maybe it wouldn't have gotten as bad i don't know it's hard to some other people would have joined them i i helped them fight definitely some people would have joined them because many people helped hide them and things like that i mean yeah as long as you give in to this kind of stuff, uh, you your situation gets worse, not better. You might get yeah. through tomorrow, but your situation is going to keep getting worse. And um, I just started to notice what th- there's something wrong, and it's it's not even our gen- the generation above us as well because they're all wearing masks. The old people are wearing them too. Mm-hmm. Of course, old people for maybe. Maybe old people have been convinced that if they wear a mask, it's going to somehow keep them from getting sick. I don't know why they would think that, but... Yeah, I, yeah, that's... I imagine it would be kind of scary for an older person because they're more affected by it. So maybe there's a little bit of uh, slack that you got to cut them. But... Well, I, I kind of cut them slack too because they grew up in you know their entire lifetime um was one in which uh the world as they saw it now they were even 
you know, even back in the 50s, I think this was maybe a little bit not as true as people may have thought it was. But the world as they saw it was that you could count on your basic news outlets, whether it's broadcast TV, radio, newspaper, whatever, to tell the hard truth. And the news was in, you know, a sort of... uh, there was a tension between the news and the government. And so, you know, they, they, they grew up in that world. And so they were able to trust the news, um, because the, you know, it it was, the the government was, was always there checking them and they were able to trust the governmental authorities because the news was always there checking them. And so, you know, I think that they weren't correct. I think that was a, uh, you know, an incorrect perception of the world, but nonetheless, yeah. that's what they grew up with in their minds. And I don't think that people above a certain age, I don't think it's possible for them to give up that perception, or at least even if they, if they intellectually say, oh yeah, it's not like that anymore. I think it's impossible for them to stop behaving according to that perception. Yeah, you're probably right for a lot of people. And who knows, maybe um, a little bit of that is responsible for our generation being somewhat wimps. Maybe. But, you know, okay. Um, I was, uh, I would, I would pick up a couple college kids and we'd go to, um, the old folks home and, and volunteer for a while. We doing various things and, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking to them and they're talking about how they're in a, they were in a Starbucks and this guy came in and just started wailing on another guy. And I, wow. you know, I, I'm, they're, they're telling me about this. I'm like, well, are there, were you two the yeah. only ones there? They're like, no, there's a big crowd. I said, well, didn't anyone, didn't Step anyone in? try to, <laughs> would, do, did anyone do anything? And she said, well, most of them got their phones out and started videotaping it. Oh, gosh. They didn't say videotape. I don't no, even know how you say it anymore. It, <laughs> That's what we called it. We call we still call it taping. We taped it. Yeah. Did you tape that? Tape what? It's on the hard drive. <laughs> I downloaded it. <laughs> tape. So, um, yeah, but you know that. I mean, back when I when I actually looked looked at things like Facebook and Twitter, I would see. Some videos of similar things, just one or two you guy usually it was one or two black people unfortunately like beating up somebody um but it's like why are people recording this and not doing anything yeah, about it yeah and, and um especially yeah. the men yeah yeah why aren't they stepping in and i i just i mean is is, is there the a way, fear of getting okay, punched that bad in men these days is it the fear of getting punched, or, or is, it just, is it some kind of social fear? Oh, like like a fear of of just being different than standing out or something. I mean, they've done studies like that, and and it's a powerful thing. But you would have to think two things. Number one, that if that fear suddenly disappeared, whatever fear that is, that they would spring into action and number two that they would want to spring into action like they're 
Are they, they enjoying the fight? That, yeah, it's like, do they, are they kind of getting some kind of, of weird, uh, salacious enjoyment out of the fact that this is going on right in front of them? And I wonder if if anyone, when they talk about this to their friends or their family, does anyone uh, give them any sense of shame for not having helped the guy? Yeah. Does anyone say, well, why did you just, <laughs> why didn't you help him? Why'd you stand Aren't, there? Yeah. <laughs> aren't you ashamed of yourself? I was, uh, I don't remember how old I was. I was pretty young and I was driving around downtown, uh, working on machines. So I'd drive to a place, park, walk like 80 miles to the machine, come back, get in my car, drive another two blocks and walk another 80 miles. Anyway, mm-hmm. I'm sitting in my car trying to figure out where I'm going next. And I saw this, um, I don't think I've ever told anyone this. I see this courier drive up on his bicycle, lean the bike against the building, jump off it, and run inside with some kind of box. Uh-huh. And I think he had a shirt on that indicated he was a delivery guy. Yeah. Um, right after he runs inside, I see another guy watching him run over to the bike and hop on it. And I'm wow. sitting there in my car thinking why are you just sitting here go get him you're you're watching this happen and you're that guy's not going to have his bike when he comes out and you could stop it right now you could just get out and probably just say something and he dropped yeah, most it. people but, would yeah but you're close enough to where you can tackle his ass and i don't know i, I we're probably evenly matched uh i wasn't afraid of getting i don't know what i was afraid of but i didn't do anything and I felt incredible amounts of shame over that for like the next three months. I, I mean, it was like I would see something and it would remind me, oh, man, you just sat there and watched this guy's bike getting stolen. I don't even it probably wasn't even his bike. It was probably a company bike. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe they uh, maybe they they work on like commissions well, or something. It, yeah, because you know? I mean, it could be that or, or if, if a courier is um, I mean, it, I guess there's companies of them. I don't know if there's any that that just are self-employed. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. If he's self-employed, that's his. Yeah. That's, that's his business. And you just watched it happen, and you could have done something, and you didn't. I like vowed to myself: if I ever see a situation where I could do something noble, I will not sit and think about it. I'll just do it. Yeah. And because it brought so much shame, even though I've never told anyone about it, it was still a shameful, shameful thing. Mm-hmm. And these people who watch terrible things happening without ever trying to do something about it, I just, I wonder if they ever feel that kind of shame. One hopes, but, but you know, the thing is, it's one thing if you're the only one there, but when there's a whole crowd, yeah, or at least a few of you, it's like, you know, yeah, all we could all somebody to say, Hey, we should stop this. Yeah, you know, just I was uh, to just suggest it would would at least I think hopefully be enough for at least a few guys because not everybody's a wimp to say yeah let's go stop it and then they would take some kind of action. I was uh, I was delivering pizzas for Domino's and uh, I see one or two of the guys out front looking across the parking lot. There's a UDF parking lot there, and I go out and I look. What it was is there was this group, a car full of kids who would 
drive around the neighborhood and hop out when they see two or three people and just start beating the hell out of them. Wow. I, I didn't know that. Yeah. I just look over and I see a fight. I thought it was like two gangs of kids fighting each fighting other. Fighting each other? Oh, okay. Because I didn't see the beginning of it. Yeah. But I don't know. I thought, you know, this is my neighborhood. I have to work here. I have to deliver pizzas here. I don't want this stuff in my neighborhood. So I said, uh, my boss was standing next to me. I said, I'm going to, I'm going to go break it up. And I just started walking. Well, he was behind me. I didn't realize he, he, he said the words, yeah, I think I might. I thought he was going in to call the police. Uh-huh. So I just kept walking, and as I'm walking, I started running and jogging, and I'm yelling something about knock it off or break it up or something like that. And uh, by the time I got to the kids, they looked up and saw me, and then they all ran. <laughs> and you thought you, you felt like a badass. <laughs> yeah, I did. I was like, I just scared off a whole gang. Of, you know, I was a kid myself. I was like 23, 24 um, it turns out my boss, who was like 50 times bigger than I am, was right behind me. And, but the weird thing is that everybody was watching that happen oh. until I did something. Yeah. And everyone else in the parking lot, everyone from inside the store, people in the bar across the street all ran over to chase these kids away After as soon did. as one person did. Maybe one of them would have done it eventually anyway. You can, sometimes it takes you a while to understand that, that something needs to be done. You know, you're staring at something happening. You're like, you don't really know what it is yeah, or what the proper response is. That happens it, to me a lot, too, because I'm such a slow thinker. Yeah, that's, you know, I mean, the whole thing with, with like, the bike situation, the fear that would have kept me from acting would yeah. have been the fear that I'm misinterpreting, that I'm misreading the situation. Right. And it would have taken me, the, the, the amount of time it would have taken me to convince myself or to become, you know, to, to become aware that, right. oh, yeah, it is what it looks like. Well, by that time, he'd have been long gone anyway. Yeah. I still would have felt like shit, but, you know. Most of the time, that would have been me too. But in this specific case, I you could read it as it was happening there was there was almost no mistaking what was happening there okay the guy yeah. the guy was like and then noticed him put his bike down and then changed direction and ran over it was <clears throat> and the way they were dressed and everything about the situation um there was no mistaking it i right. to this day i don't know why i didn't get out of my car but um but things like that happen sometimes and they change you and cause you to step up at other times when uh, it's maybe more important to step up. Mm-hmm. So, but why doesn't that happen more to other people? Yeah. Yeah. Why? why? And are people really worried about bodily harm? I mean, or is it more that they're, they're just worried about being the, the one kind of hanging out there that's sticking out being different than everybody you look at a group of guys who are afraid to take their masks off. That's true. And I wonder, are are they afraid to uh, put dangerous drugs into their bodies? 
are they afraid to drive reckless? Mm, mm-hmm. Are they afraid to uh, do some kind of sport where it's very likely they'll end up getting hurt somehow? You know, right? And I, I mean, there's you see what I'm saying? Why yeah, is the, it the the physical harm probably isn't the fear that's at play here? Yeah. Why is it that they're afraid to take the mask off and even when they don't have to? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, in their, in your car, you don't have to wear a mask. And, and some of, sometimes they're like really afraid. Like if you walk too close to them, they, they, they run from you and they, <laughs> they're scared. And it's like you do things all day that are much more likely to harm you than even, even if the mask made sense, which they, that's, that's why it's mm-hmm. hard to talk about this because they don't they don't help you at all. They don't keep yeah, you from getting sick. <laughs> it's it's like being afraid to uh I don't know, to, to to walk around without your your rabbit's foot or something. Yeah. It's like <laughs> Oh my gosh, I, 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 I left my rabbit's foot at home and then I'm afraid for the rest of the day or something like that. Yeah. Or you You've got this, like you got a uh, uh, one of those. Remember, they used to sell uh, send chain letters. Oh yeah, yeah. you got to mail out ten. I'll write it to seven more people or something. Sitting worrying about it, or or, or worried because you broke a mirror or crossed a black cat or something. It it's not reasonable. First of all, second of all, even if it was reasonable, at the most you get sick. Yeah, and and at. The very worst of getting sick, you die. But but there's plenty of other things you do every day that you could die. Yeah. Driving to work. And when you consider that and you're trying to figure that out, you start thinking about, I mean, eventually America will have to go to war. We don't have to right now. We're just bombing places and getting into wars that we got no business being in. But eventually, the U.S. will have to fight. What? You know, Who's going to fight? When is, you I'm, go... In World War II, they're in a boat and they know that a lot of them... They know there's a big... I don't know what the percentage is they were told as they're mm-hmm. going in. But most of them know a lot of us are not coming back. Yeah. Each, I got each a very, very good chance of dying. probably not coming back. Yeah. But, and a lot of times he doesn't really quite understand why he's there anyway. You know, I mean... This is before we realized how bad Hitler was. Mm-hmm. At that time, it was just a war. Yeah, it was just oh, okay, Germany's. It wasn't the to Holocaust. Conquer more countries. It, it was, it was just expansion yeah. of German expansionism, and and on the other side of the world, Japanese imperialism. Yeah, we didn't know how bad they were. To us, it's just war. Well, maybe the Japanese. The Japanese attacked us, so yeah. there's. I mean, Whether that, that or not we, a, yeah, reasonable. No matter if you were an American, you felt like, hey, you know, this is an attack. Even if, even if the, if they were practically invited to bomb us, they still bombed us. But the Germans, these guys dropping into uh, Europe, it's like they really have no idea where they're going, why they're fighting, or anything. And they know a lot of them. They they know that the odds are against them living through it. And they just, they went. They, they just went did and did it. Yeah. And you hear the stories, and it, it gets on my nerves when people poo-poo the stories of, of Valor, and it's like, hey, I don't, I don't care if you agree with the war or not. These are some really brave guys. Yeah. 
And the same thing in, in Nam. I mean, it's not like they didn't do their share. Right. Um, they what, had even worse odds in, in Vietnam. Yeah. If Is that kind of bravery still alive or is it just completely dead? I I wonder that a lot. And you know... Um, yeah, that's... Yeah. Speaking of the masks, um, I, it was... It was really depressing me. I kept thinking, why is everybody doing this? You don't have to do it. Just don't do it. They're not going to arrest us all. Don't do it. Because I know a lot of people disagreed with it. And uh, everywhere I went, they had their masks on. And uh, Sam went up to the church up the street from us, uh, St. Martin's. He said he was the only one there without a mask. And I went to my usual mass. Well, it wasn't quite usual yet. It was becoming usual. Yeah. Uh, this kind of solidified it because I kept thinking, I don't know if I'll wear it if they ask me to or not. I really want to go to mass. And uh, there wasn't a single person there with a mask. Mm-hmm. This is during the mandate. Yeah. And the priest said, uh, the archbishop has instructed me to advise you that masks are mandatory I'm not telling you masks are mandatory. I'm telling you that the bishop instructed me to advise you that they are necessary. <laughs> so <laughs> nobody had their masks on. Nobody had it. Most people probably didn't even bring one. And it was like, okay, I'm at home. Yeah. Um, but if we did go to war, that small number of people who go to the Latin mass are not enough to win. We need no. more than that. No. We need a lot more than that. And we need to somehow reawaken bravery. And I don't know. You know, it. it's, it, I think, I don't know if there's a way to reawaken it in, in grown men, but we ought to be uh, using stories of valor, like you said, um, to, you know, with children, with young boys yeah. to yeah. make them interested in, in being brave. Uh, both, yeah. both secular valor, you know, our past wars and battles and that kind of stuff. Um, the stories of soldiers right. and so forth and the stories of martyrs. Yeah. Um, I would think that the problem is that the, whatever drives men to not be brave now, I think would also keep, those men from sharing that kind of information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, um, I, it's such a, and I, I, I just feel like there's gotta be a way, not for me and you, but there's gotta be a way to make men wake up. Right. And, and understand that they are being scared. They are being fraidy cats. They're not, again, I, I can only think of the times that I did something that maybe took a certain amount of courage. Um, it's always because there was other times that I didn't and I know the shame of it. And I had at one point vowed to uh, not ever let that happen again. Yeah. So you've kind of got that as an ongoing um, sort you know, of back it, of your head. But I was a grown man that time I saw the bike get stolen. Yeah. It's not like I was a... Oh, yeah, yeah, like a twelve-year-old or anything like that. It was I, even after the time of uh, in the parking lot with that fight. Oh, okay. 
But I was just wilder in those days. Here's the thing. Um, you and I both grew up from childhood in a environment where um, bravery and valor and taking action was praised and encouraged. And, you know, we were sort of imbued with that idea of manliness so that when the whole bicycle thing occurred, you were already primed from your youth to see that as a failure. Yeah. And I think a lot of men today have not been. I would go even further than that. It wasn't just that taking action would be considered good. It was that it's an expected thing. Yeah. The failure. You are a man. You're, you're bound to do something about mm-hmm. things that you see going wrong, especially if, if someone innocent is uh, being bothered or whatever. Right. It's it's not so much that, that you would have been a hero for stopping the bike from being stolen. It's more like, you know... You're a coward I, for not, not doing it. I'm not calling you this, but it's yeah, more like you're a coward for not doing it. And, 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 yeah. But what I mean is that the way we were brought up was that way. Yeah, there was an expectation. Because you're a man, you have to do X, Y, Z. Or more, uh, actually, it's more that because you're a Christian, you have to do X, Y, Z. Right. And I, I see this as a failure of not just um, America, but specifically of Christianity in America, and even more specifically of Catholicism in America. Mm-hmm. I was um, earlier. I was listening to a podcast. Who was it? Hold on. Informed dissent. Mm-hmm. And. Let me see. I want to get this guy's name right. Uh, Pastor Rob McCoy. Oh, yeah. I, I listened to that one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's... <laughs> Look, I... <laughs> I, I feel you know, ashamed that it had to be a Protestant pastor who right. did that. And, and here's the thing. We talked last week about the pro-life movement and mm-hmm. the bravery or lack of bravery in the pro-life movement. And if you haven't listened to that, I would encourage you to go listen to that, especially if you're not, if you're somewhat new to the uh, idea of being pro-life. Yeah, you know the pro-life cause. If, if I would really encourage you to go back really and listen about. to that. Um, but the uh, the bravery that we saw growing up in that movement is, it, I mean, nobody's. Nobody's getting put to death, but it, it it was it was brave, yeah. And yet, at the same time, these are men and women who who cannot give their lives to a cause because their lives have already been spoken for when when they got married and had children. You know, mm-hmm. this I our dad had to take care of us. He couldn't go to jail. Mom could go to jail for periods of time, but eventually she needed to come back home. She couldn't right. spend her life in I jail. Mean, some of us were older kids. We could, you know, manage the house on our own for periods of time, you know, while dad's off working, whatever. But yeah, there's, 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 uh, there and that was most that of the people. Have. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most of the people in that movement had those duties. Here's the thing. Um, our priests and our bishops, while they have duties to their parishes or their diocese, one of their duties 
is being prepared to uh to to die for us. I mean, that's, yeah, the martyr. It's not like the diocese will be without a bishop if they are dead. Right. You know? So when the cops came in and said, you're not allowed to have this church open, the bishops should have been the first ones to say, oh yeah? Well, we're going to, what are you going to do about it? And I mean, I know here's the thing. The priests are under the bishop's authority. So. Yeah, they have to. You be can't. You can't obedient. blame this on the priests, right? It's the bishops. But there were a lot of priests who were all too enthusiastically enthusiastic about shutting down. There were priests who are uh, really terrible people with the the enforcement of masks and all the who are just cowards. That's that's the only thing I can say about them. There are a lot of priests who are cowards. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of priests who were brave too, but all the bishops were cowards. Not one bishop should have shut down a single church in America. Every bishop should have instructed his priests, go hold mass, and when they arrest you, we'll, we'll do what I, we can, but you're going to be in prison for a little while because that's your job, because you're a priest. That's what should have happened. Right. And um, when Catholics don't have that kind of leadership, I wonder if it would be different if we did. Would the would the people would the Catholic men out there today who are even now bending to the will of every bureaucrat would they be braver if we had brave bishops? I think so. I'd have to think so. I think so. I I think that if if the bishops were setting the example, first of all, Catholic men would be truly Catholic. Yeah. Um. And because the Catholic Church is the only church that offers what it offers, by by being authentic like that, the church would actually be bigger in numbers, and so there would be more Catholic men, and they would they would be both following the examples of their bishops for bravery and and um, and nobility, and at the same time, by being more authentically Catholic, they would be themselves raised and raising their children in an atmosphere where we're expected to and called to be ready to suffer uh, for the faith and for others, to to be ready to put ourselves out there, to uh, be martyred, if if that's what it takes, either in big ways or in small ways, depending on the situation. The way we were brought up. The way we were brought up. It's... It's one of those things that even if, look, men out there who know that they ought to be fighting whatever problem we're talking about, whether it's the pro-life movement or this vaccine push or the mask mandates or closing down the country and closing down half the businesses in America, um, when men are comfortable, um, they don't want to break that comfort. It's, it's easier to not act. And when the bishops don't act, it's a really nice excuse because oh, right. the bishops are at the height of whole, that's, the bishops are all holy and we, we try to kind of do a little bit of holy because, um, 
you know, we have families and, and we got to go to work and we got to talk with other men. So, so we do a little bit of holy, but the bishops do all the holy and the bishops are all telling us, uh, do whatever the government tells you because, uh, we are all wards of the government. And so the idea of fighting this, uh, even if in the back of your mind, you know, you ought to be fighting it, you don't do it because you don't, you've been given an excuse not to do it. You've been told you don't have to. Mm-hmm. If you're told, if you're told you can fight it, well, that would be one thing, but we're not even told that. We're co- told not to fight it. So, um, yeah, there, there's an example here and there's, when you let men out, when you, when you let them, how do I, I'm, I don't know how to articulate this. When you give, when you when you give, give them, them an, out. an excuse, yeah, yeah. they'll when take you're it. Giving them an out, and and they're used to being comfortable, and they're used to the conveniences, and a lot of their life has been spent acquiring entertainment. Yeah, it's gonna, easy. They, they take it. Yeah, and even the men now who uh, have been bending over, if suddenly the bishops. And, and not just one or two bishops like we have now, but in a united group said, no, we're not going to do this anymore. Um, I, a lot of these men, they, they would feel, well, I, you know, the, the, the easy time is over. It's time to get, you know, time to get tough, time mm-hmm. to be American. And I think that would work. I think it would work wonders if we had brave bishops. Yeah. I think it would too. I think we never would have gotten into this state if we had brave bishops. Yeah, and I, I hate to just put everything off on the bishops because it's not like the bishops raised our kids or raised us or raised That's... all these other people. But at the same time, the church, when it really grew, it was because so many bishops were willing to die. Yeah, and we've uh, again. For the past year about, we've been trying to have a saint of the week. And they were all dying for their faith in the first 300 years. It's just over and over again, story after story. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them were bishops. But our bishops now, they're afraid of everything. They're worse yeah. than... They're, they're afraid of getting a citation for having a church open. Yeah. And even then, are they... Are they I, what are they afraid of? Are they afraid I don't, I, I don't, of I don't get it. It's almost the like Pope? they were... Yeah. It's almost like they were eager to, to close the churches. It's, it's almost like they, they didn't act out of fear of something. I don't know. It, it's... it's That's the problem because fear is something we can understand. Yeah. I, I can understand not wanting to act because you're going to look different or... There's a, a, there's a wimpishness that goes beyond fear here. Yeah. And it's still, it's still wimpy. It's not, yeah. It's not just because they, uh, they don't believe that having mass is going to injure a bunch of people. They know that's not true. At least a lot of them do. Maybe there's some that are really that dumb, but look, we've, we've been over this. Nobody can be this dumb, or at least this many people can't be this dumb. Even to be bishop, they had to go to college and stuff. Yeah. There's some level of intelligence here. They do not believe having mass is going to kill a bunch of people. I mean, not And yet mass. they shut it down. Not having... No. They don't believe that mass. not having masks. 
Oh, having not masks. Not mask. masks. Masks. They okay. shut the churches right. down. Yeah. yeah. They do They do not believe people are going to die because they have holy mass. And yet, Yeah, this is something different. They quit. It's it's almost like uh not not a not a fear but but a sort of uh ingrained servility that they have. Yeah, who's the better servant of this who, weird culture who can that... be more servile to to the government and the culture it's like they're competing for that yeah i and 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 i i, I don't know are we talking about something other than fear here is this yeah I, is I, this I a bigger problem than fear and i think it, it 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 applies both to the bishops that we're talking about now and to all the stuff we were talking about earlier about about manliness yeah. Um, yeah, wearing your mask in your car, maybe these guys really do know how stupid this is, but they want to virtue signal to everyone around them. I, I serve, I serve, I, I bend over, you know? Yeah. It's like, the, and the that's mask worse. The, the modern, uh, bowing down or something like that. If there's fear, there's something to get over mm-hmm. and can overcome fear. even if, yeah, and even if you get hurt in the process, there's a reward. When you face your fears, you feel really good about yourself. But what reward is there in not being a servant of the bureaucracy that is controlling things right now? Or a servant of, of this weird culture? Is there a reward for that, that, <laughs> that we could make them understand? Yeah, I, I, mean, it's, it's, I mean, the reward is... Is simply not not being a servant to the to the culture. I mean, I know that that you know, I know that servitude is kind of built into Christianity. We want to be servants of Christ and of God, um, but of course, we as as we do that, we know that that what Christ does is give us more freedom when we serve Him. Right. Um, but it, it, it's I, you know, it's like. When the like Israelites were let out of Egypt, yeah, he had to force them not to be slaves. They yeah. wanted to go back. They kept wanting to go back. Um, In fact, they God kept kept getting ready to uh, to abandon them or to kill them all or whatever because they wanted to go back. And Moses, you know, kept pleading with God, "Hey, you know, you know, they're all stiff necked. Okay, so you know." Have mercy on them. You you did promise Abraham, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> I'll tell you how bad it was. He had to let that entire generation that had grown up as slaves die before he could bring them to the promised land. That's he, why they wandered in the desert for 40 years was so that none of them who had been a man at that time would still be alive. And there's only two that were still alive. Uh, when they entered the promised land, it was um, uh, Joshua and uh, what was uh, the, there was Is the other Aaron? one? Aaron? Huh? Or, well, Moses, but he didn't well, go. No, Moses but, didn't uh, go in. I think it was Joshua. Maybe, I think it was Caleb. Oh, okay. But yeah, only, so it's like two. God that's could not convince. Was. God couldn't convince them of how good it is to be free. And I, I wonder if that's just the way of people as when you've lived, when you've given yourself over to slavery, is is there any reward in breaking free of that? You know, that's a that's a good question. I 
that, I, that might be what's at the root of a lot of our problems today. Yeah, and and maybe the only solution is to, well, here's the thing: you allow that generation to die out, but the next generation is also being raised in slavery. So, yeah, how do you break the cycle? I mean, there's got to be. I mean, the, the Israelites the people, broke the cycle because God took them out of Egypt. He he had to physically transport plant them and 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 move them into the wilderness and uh that's and you know what america america was various people throughout the rest of the world who Did broke out of thing. that cycle and came together but but it's not like if all those people had lived in england then they could have just said hey let's just not be slaves here and we'll stay here that's but true the way to do it back was to go to america and then they could they could be free there, but, but that now, kind of thing doesn't exist right now. When, so, when America's uh, promise of freedom is isn't there anymore. If someone said, "I hate this. I want to be free," if you can't convince enough people that there's a reward at the end of that, then what what can you do other than you know subverting and and doing things in your own little world that frustrates the system or finding loopholes through the system things like that you know mm -hmm. which is the kind of stuff we do but if if you want true freedom and there aren't enough people to make it happen uh what is there left there's nowhere we can go and say let's go here because um there's a new place now and we can all be free there right you know that's a good point because the you know the the uh Ultimately, to recover freedom in a situation like this, you have to roll the system back. You have to, to peel back the accretions of bureaucracy and, and, and deep state and administrative rules and, and all of the, the uh, layers of crap that people have to live under in America today and scrape that away in order to return to freedom. But if there's... If you can't convince people to do that, then the only other way for that to happen is, is for the whole system to break down through some kind of calamity. I mean, right. it could be a war. It could be, you know, some kind of global catastrophe. You know, who, who knows, whatever. But but that's the other other way that you could end up with men being free. Of course, they would be free in a much um, poorer kind of existence then. Right. Well, I mean, that's what happened in USSR. You know, the, that that whole system collapsed, but it mm -hmm. yeah, they, but they had really an opportunity. The freedom there, did they? No, they didn't. It seems like they were just they were looking for the next person to serve instead of creating a system that uh, wouldn't allow that kind of servitude or wouldn't, mm -hmm. you know. And I think uh, maybe a lot of the people in Ukraine tried to do that, but I think somehow they got conned into a government such as they have now where the freedom's really not there. Right. Yeah, that's not like Ukraine was, was some kind of exemplary um, government or wonderful existence. Right. Of course, I don't know... I don't know how bad it is there. I mean, I mean, and I don't know how good it was there. Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe I'm wrong about that. It, 
It's impossible for us to tell. That's that's true. But as we go through the news that, you know, I've I've been doing the Russian news separately as the other news, you'll see that obviously the people there don't feel free. Yeah. Um, so, So Ukraine could not have been in that good a shape. Otherwise, all this other stuff wouldn't have been happening. Like if, like if Russia came here, or let's say Mexico came here to overtake us, we wouldn't, we wouldn't flee the country. Yeah. Or we let, would, we would fight. Canada, We'd, you know, became a superpower and invaded us. Yeah, we would stay and fight. We would fight. That's. I know they're saying fifty-five percent. I, I just, I, I, I just can't believe true. that. I wonder. I, if... I just, there's no way I can believe that. <laughs> You know, maybe it when it's questioned that way, it's like, if you were in Ukraine, would you stay and fight? Well, no, I, I don't wouldn't. Think because... they put it that way. I, I think I think the, yeah, the I question know. was put more like if if America were invaded the way Ukraine is, or like if America were invaded by a foreign power. Um, yeah, but even so, I would hope that that even though a lot of those who said, "Well, no, I would I wouldn't stay, I would leave," or something like that, you know. It could be that a lot of those who are saying, well, no, I would leave, are think, thinking not that they wouldn't want to stay and fight, but, but you know, maybe there's a certain um, um Maybe they think America has already lost. That, yeah, that, that America has ceased to be something worth fighting for. That is, yeah. Although, I, you know, I, even with that, I, I would think that, you know, if your homeland's being invaded, no, you, you, I, I just think more people than that would stay and fight. I would hope. I went to get coffee. Um, yeah, I, I would hope. And, and I don't, I don't know if there's a way right now to make more people willing to do that. As we said, if it's, if it's a matter of this, this weird tendency for man to want to be in slavery, then maybe for this generation there is no help. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. If it's a matter of fear, or even if it's a matter of I don't want to be uncomfortable. I don't. I'm putting on my mask because this guy's going to follow me around and yell at me if I don't, or I might get a ticket or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or I'll go ahead and get the jab because if I don't. Uh, I'll have to do X, Y, and Z, and they're making it harder for us to live without the jab, and I don't care about the jab, so I'll just go get it. If that's what it is, then I would say there's still plenty of hope. And it really could be solved by bishops banning together and standing up for what they ought to be standing up for. I think that would change things around, at least for Americans. Yeah, you know that, that American Catholics. Anyway. That, well, that's a good um, that's a good thought that you know on on both levels that a that even as as much damage as they've done so far that the bishops, if they would themselves you know get some guts that they yeah. still have the power to change the character of the the broader class of men in the American Catholic Church. And then second of all, that the American Catholic Church still has the power, if they collectively would get some guts, to 
change the character and change the course for America? I think that men still want to be men, at least here in America. I think, um, you know, we, we still go see movies about fighters and um, we still enjoy movies about bravery and acts of valor. And there's enough men in America who like that, but really can't find it in real life anywhere. And if it's suddenly, it was there. Well, okay, this pastor that we were just talking about, what was his name? McCoy, something McCoy. Rob, Pastor Rob McCoy. Mm-hmm. His parish exploded when yes. he went to bat for him. Yeah. When men were shown, this is how you fight. This is how you, you don't be slaves. Uh, more people showed up. And so obviously if I'm, if I'm a cultural Catholic, and it's like, well, yeah, I know that things going on over there, but I'm I'm Catholic, so um, I'm just going to keep doing the things I always did. Mm-hmm. But then suddenly, my bishop stands up and fights. Well, that's that's very attractive. Oh, wait, okay, wait a minute. Now this this is what Catholics do. We've got an example. Yeah, of I can do this. Yeah, men men are drawn to that sort of uh, to that sort of example. We really don't have an example you know, right now. Here's the thing. It's not there. It's not even just an example. Um, it's the sense that it, it, it's a sort of defeating sense. And I think there's probably a lot of men who are in this position that, that they have an inclination uh, of some, you know, at some level towards the kind of manliness we're talking about. But... Not only do they not have an example of it, say, in their bishop, uh, and I'm talking about Catholic men here, but moreover, they have the sense that their bishop would, to the extent that he was aware of it, explicitly disapprove of it. And it's like when the leaders, you know, the very men who are supposed to be leaders and exemplars of manliness and courage would disapprove of acts of courage that I think can be extremely defeating for those who otherwise would be inclined, um, to step up. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, I guess, uh, at the end of all this, the one conclusion we can come up with is that men are wimpy because we don't have examples and we've been, and the, the brave men have been shot down so much that uh, that it's kind of what's the point? Mm-hmm. Because you're put down in society. Yeah. But it could be turned around with some brave bishops, and I I mean not just a little bit either. There could be a I think there could be a a, a real movement. Mm-hmm. Right. Lots and lots of men, more than more than the number that where where they could shut it down. You know, I mean, the, uh, there's various movements that come along that are more or less, uh, conservative, like the tea, the tea party, right. They could shut that down. And it just mostly just by ignoring it. I mean, everybody gets together and they have their signs and they say, rah, rah, rah. But that doesn't really do anything. Yeah. But if you have bishops who, when they're told you have to close your churches, say no way, and then that would, Catholic men who are told by their bishops, doesn't matter what the governor tells you, you're obliged to go to mass on Sunday. 
Yeah. That would change things. That would that, move things yeah. in America for the better. And then if you uh, took it a little bit further and said, hey, it's a sin to vote for people who uh, promote abortion. Of course, I mean, that's a whole other question because I don't even know if voting does anything anyway. But <laughs> yeah. there are other things to say, hey, yeah. we need to fight abortion. We need to do something about it mm-hmm. other than just voting. We have to do more. We have to try to convince young women not to kill their babies. Things like that. Yeah. I, I see men who, who go, you know, they feel really good about themselves. Aside from going to mass, they go to the church, you know, once a month for some kind of uh, fun drive and, and work at a, you know, paper drive or whatever. And they feel like they're giving to the parish and they feel like they're making a big difference. And they go home feeling good about themselves. If in order to feel good about themselves, they had to actually do something, mm-hmm. I, I think it would... I think it would change. I I would call that a game changer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's 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 perhaps latent energy there that the bishops could direct and release if they themselves would speak out and say this is the fight that we have to make. I wonder two things. Number one, do the bishops understand this? Number two, don't they ever feel the way I felt in that car watching a crime happen and not doing anything about it? Don't they yeah. feel shame? Even more about, so. I mean, about... This is really know. serious. Yeah. And, and and at the at the bottom of it all is the fact that their inaction is leading to so many lost souls that are in their charge. Yeah. Yeah. How are... <laughs> I mean, you, Same, you, 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 felt, you felt ashamed, you know, for a long time because somebody came up and took a bike. What about somebody coming up and taking a soul and carrying it off to hell? Yeah. Yeah. What if he was going to hell and then I had to live the rest of my life? That guy's in hell because of me. Mm-hmm. Is it possible that maybe they just could not face? They've become so wimpy that. Today's bishops could never face that kind of uh, uh, ownership. I think that's of their why. Actions. Um, I think that's that's why the bishops all embrace a soft view of of salvation and Christianity. The 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 idea that uh, you know all you have to do is be a nice person kind of thing to get to heaven. The, the idea that, Oh God doesn't really send people to hell. And I mean, not, not if if you put it to them in those words intellectually, I'm sure a lot of American bishops would still say, Oh no, we don't teach that as a church. But I think they feel like, Oh yeah. Anybody who is a nice enough person that I can enjoy spending time with, surely God's not going to send that person to hell for whatever they do, however they live their lives, however yeah. they fail to live their lives, and so forth. Yeah, I talked to the guy. He was a nice guy. I can't see why anyone would dislike him. Why would God dislike him? Yeah, exactly. He's definitely going to heaven. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think the bishops have to see the world that way in order to not have to deal with the, the kind of shame that you're talking about. So the next question is, is there a way to wake up these bishops? Well, you know what yeah, reminds me of Randall that is, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just now thought of that as I was thinking, well, okay, how do we get the bishops to 
to stand up and be men. And uh, so maybe an, an apostolate where our whole thing is to say, a, is a, to, I'm, I say an apostolate, it wouldn't really be an apostle. It's just, you know, unless yeah. it got some kind of approval from the church, but some kind of a movement, but a movement where the whole yeah. thing was to say a daily rosary for courageous bishops for man yeah. for manly bishops. Yeah. And I wonder if I hope I have this glimmer of hope because we do know that the younger priests are uh not like the older ones. A lot of the them, younger priests yeah, we're saying more conservative, but they're also more traditional and they're also more they're also braver. They're, yeah, they're more manly than <laughs> than a lot of the bishops they serve under. So um is that just because they're fresh? You know, they oh, like they haven't been hear about it. They, beaten down yet. They haven't been beaten down. Yeah, because like you know, a cop comes in and he joins the force and he's going to clean the city up. And by the time twenty years later, it's like he's accepting bribes and all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is, yeah. Is that the kind of thing that happens, or is it just because? That old generation, they went through that hippie stage and, and they really thought that you could go, uh, do all the fun stuff, all the sex and drugs, and it's okay and you're still gonna get to heaven. And, um, you know, we've just got a generation now that they're not in power yet, but they understand it better. They know that, no, you can't do that. You have to, you have to take action. You have to be men. Mm-hmm. You know, I, that, I don't know because I don't know if the seminaries are different now than they were, you know, fifty years ago. I I know that some of them ago. are, some of them not. It, it depends on the bishop because I know it's still happening in seminaries. Mm-hmm. I know there's still seminaries that actively seek gay men. Oh yeah, but I know here in Cincinnati, uh, Bishop Schnur. That's one of the first things he did when he got here was cleaned up the seminaries. Oh okay, and I I know people. Uh, on the inside who saw that happening and I know it was a it was kind of a public thing it wasn't talked about right. but it it wasn't hidden yeah. yeah we're gonna clean up these seminaries this is disgusting so um but I can't believe that uh Cupich has the same thing going on right yeah no he I bet the Chicago seminaries are yeah so I hmm it's tough. Yeah, well, it's. I mean, you're right, but you know what? We we if we can get the the group. Oh gosh, we that's something we could really do. I don't. I mean, I don't know how to yeah. spread the word. I don't know who to talk to 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 convince. But but basically, a daily rosary for manly bishops, and daily rosary, but something more. Something more than that. Something like what Randall Terry's so what, doing. What is because that's doing really exactly. brilliant. Does, what, I don't. I do? I didn't look it up. We need I to... only know what Mom told me yesterday. Oh, okay. Because he's he's got a van, a pro life van with mm-hmm. all the posters and stuff. Yeah. And he goes to the cathedrals and has a rosary march in front of the cathedral or a rosary session. Right. So he goes to the cathedral in order to say, "Hey, bishops, you need to." You need to be a part of this. You can't sit on the sidelines anymore. So he's he's at the cathedral in their face in order to invite them to do to, what they ought to have been doing all along. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm going to look more into that. I, 
that's all I know about it so yeah, far. We, we need to learn more about that. But but I, I'm gosh, yeah. I mean, if but we do like, know enough people in Cincinnati. Maybe if if we could get something going, we probably know enough people that maybe we could uh, at least get a small group well, together. If we get like a small group. Let's say let's say a small group ten to, together in front of the cathedral. I know it's it's a little bit difficult there because you got to park downtown and stuff. But like yeah. once a month at a chosen time, gather in front of the cathedral and say a rosary or say some kind of you know prayers or whatever it is you're doing. Yeah. But make it clear that okay, we're doing this for manly bishops and not not even necessarily to say that our particular bishop is unmanly, but it's right. like for example, who's that that bishop in Texas that's that's real good? Um, uh, I know who you're Strickland talking about, and I know in, in not, Texas, yeah. right? Okay, so yeah. like his diocese even could do it. Um, okay, so maybe he is a manly bishop. Well, then their prayers would go to support and edify him and yeah. bring more graces to him to help him stand firm in that manliness. So, it, and if nothing else, you know, I mean, it doesn't have news to be or a, like a name calling kind of a thing. Somebody would stop by and say, what are you guys doing? You yeah, know, whether uh, well, it's on, on blogs or, or uh, newscasts or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they, what are you doing? This is what we're doing. Yeah. Eventually, the bishop would hear about it. Right. That's true. Yeah. That's true. And he would look out his window yeah, and see a bunch of people out there saying, they right, want me to quit bishops. being such a wimp. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that would be a thing. Yeah, but, but the thing is, if we could establish that long term, over the course of a generation, some of these priests might not lose their, you know, their, yeah. their youthful vigor, they, they, and they may end up being consecrated um, and appointed as bishops. And they wouldn't be so wobbly. And, and, and our prayers could help them jelly, to, to like, hold on to that. That is an idea. So we ne- normally don't. Generally, at the end of our podcast, we just say, "Well, what do we do about it?" We say, say the rosary. Well, okay, well, let's pray. <laughs> we say, keep praying. Uh, this is actually something that a small number of people could start doing, mm-hmm. and um, and even you know, I, I imagine your priest isn't going to let you make an announcement to the rest of the church. Hey, we're going downtown to pray for the bishop. No, you'd have but, to just talk to individual people, guys that you know, and stuff. There'd be a way. There's there'd got there'd have to be a way mm-hmm. to spread the word. Yeah. On X day at X time, we're going downtown and we're going to pray for our bishop. Hmm. Well, I'm going to think about that and yeah, me too. Flesh it out a little. Um, do we have anything more to say about wimpy American men? No, I think we're ready to move on to the news. Okay, the news. There's so much stuff from Russia here. Um, I got to get my mic out of the way. All right. So, um, so the Ukrainian foreign. Hold on. I got to make my marker so I know where I started the news. Okay. Ukrainian foreign minister says that Belarusian troops are not willing to fight alongside Russian troops in Ukraine. I don't know how he knows that. Okay. But they're saying, because Belarus was saying that we're going to start an army to go fight with Russia. To help Russia. And yeah. 
Um, it's claiming that they're not willing. Yeah. Now, I guess um, Ukraine expelled, got rid of all of Belarus's uh, diplomats, and Belarus, in turn, only allows five diplomats from Ukraine to be in Belarus now. Um, the Belarusian president reaffirms that Belarus has no plans to fight in Ukraine. Okay. But he he did warn that Belarus could join the war if aggression is launched against Belarus. Oh. For example, uh, these uh, sanctions and stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Right. So I, Belarus isn't a part of this yet, but it sounds like they're, so that's, that's, they're we're, warning. We're pro-Russian. We're not going to join the fight unless somebody starts picking on us for being pro-Russian. Then we're going to go ahead and help them anyway. Yeah. Sounds like that's what he's saying. Yeah. Now, again, you know, every week we're saying that, hey, you're hearing all kinds of propaganda and neither one of us knows what's true and what isn't true. But then again, we do know what isn't true. A lot of the stuff they're saying about Ukraine isn't true. Mm-hmm. Um, Canada bans its soldiers from joining volunteer forces in Ukraine, which doesn't make any sense to me. Why would why would Canada have to ban its soldiers from going to Ukraine to fight? Is that really a problem? Are Canadian like, soldiers like, saying, like, "I want to go to Ukraine to and to fight"? Ukraine? I mean, or is it more of a symbolic yeah. thing? I don't know. I don't know why they would even say it. Or are they talking about... I don't know. It's such a weird thing. Uh, United Kingdom says that it's doubling the number of missiles it's sending to Ukraine. And along with a whole bunch of money and a whole bunch of other stuff. But one of the things they're doing is giving 30 million euros, I guess, to help pay Ukrainian soldiers. Like, and Air Force pilots. Say their salaries? Yeah. The wages of soldiers. Okay. Now, obviously, you want to be able to pay your soldiers. Yeah. But is this really that big of a problem that they have to pay the soldiers? I mean... Is that what the Ukrainian government... If you're fighting a... Def- yeah, if you're fighting a defensive war, is that why you don't have enough soldiers? Because you don't have enough money to pay them? That doesn't, it doesn't. That doesn't jive. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, you don't have to bribe someone to defend their homeland. Yeah. If you're trying to find money to pay soldiers, chances are mostly what you got are mercenaries. That's true. Um, so that might be where where that's coming from then. And then of course you know we get all these reports of of how how deadly these Russian forces are and how they're cruel and just killing everyone. Russian forces airstrike the western city of Lviv, injuring five people. Air, They're either really bad shots. They only injured five people and didn't kill anybody, yeah. apparently. And even then, they don't even say civilians. I'll yeah, bet those they five people are Ukrainian soldiers. Soldiers, yeah. Um, now, the Russian defense ministry is saying that so far... 1,351 of their troops have been killed. Um, okay. So that's not that it's big of a It's kind of a slow-moving you know? war when you This think is a the... really small war. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Russia is also saying that the first phase of their invasion has been completed. Oh. So we know that they came in and they <clears> took 
like places like um, what's the 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 place with the meltdown? Um, oh, Chernobyl. Chernobyl. So they took Chernobyl. They took a couple cities, and then they said the first phase is completed. Then they also they warned against anyone like expecting too much out of the uh, negotiations. I guess oh. they're trying to tell we're, we're not done yet, yeah. so don't get your hopes out. Um, Iranian officials are considering taking the new Russian currency, whatever, or, or using the new Russian bank system. Oh, okay. Because the Russians so were kicked no, out of the... Out of SWIFT. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Spotify announces that it expects to spend, suspend all services in Russia by the end of April. Um, Russia announces that it will ban all usage of software from other countries and government agencies. And all foreign software purchases for government agencies must be pre-approved by the government. So, uh, I, look, what, what's going on is we're trying to cancel Russia. Um, I, I just don't know anything about Russia. I know we are automatically supposed to think that Russians are evil because of communism, but communism isn't the same thing that it was, first of all. Second of all, most of America believes in communism, so I don't understand the thing about, you know, yeah, hating does, Putin so much. With, I mean, what's going on here? Um, so what I want to point out is that we've created the new world order, the global banking systems, the global government, and um, that globalism is trying to cancel Russia by cutting them off and isolating them. But the, what they're really doing, I think, is making Russia more independent so that they do not depend yeah. on this global system. They're forcing them to I, be more independent. I think it's going to come back and bite them in the butt. But it also may provide a model for other countries who don't necessarily want to yeah. be under the thumb of the exactly. global system. Exactly, yeah. Uh, Biden declares in a speech... That Russian President Putin cannot remain in power. Quote, cannot remain in power, unquote. Uh, what's a good um, about it? Yeah, in response to reports that the statement constitutes a call for regime change, the White House later releases a statement saying that Biden's point was that Putin cannot be allowed to exercise power over his neighbors in the region. He was not discussing Putin's power in Russia or a regime change. So, I just point out here how careful they're being. Yeah. I mean, why would, if if Trump said something like that, like he can't, he shouldn't be in power, Trump would just say, yeah, that's what I said, that's what I meant. Yeah. And not worry about the politics of that. But um, why are they so careful? Why are they tiptoeing around Putin? Yeah, I, I don't know. That's weird. Uh, the... Let's see. Federal Air Transport Agency, the the Russian airspace regulator, was hacked. 65 terabytes of data was destroyed. Wow. And they're saying they can't recover it, which I don't get at all. Was it backups, or maybe it was the archives that were destroyed? 
like archives data. Yeah, maybe. I just, it's weird to me. What I'm thinking is maybe the hardware was destroyed by the hacker as opposed oh, to okay. the files. Yeah. They're calling, they're acting as if the data itself being missing is the problem. And because of that, they have to switch to a paper based workflow. Mm-hmm. That's what they're saying. I think it's probably something more along the lines of uh, not being able to get their the hardware. hardware working again. Okay. Because it's all been hacked. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm but just, that does make it's, more it sense. doesn't make a lot. Why would. Because even if the data is you, missing, you, you've still got the tools and the programs and stuff. You just hit a reset. That's part of. That's 101. Yeah. Don't ever leave your system that way. Everybody knows you have to back up. But, of course. They could just be incompetent. Uh, Zelensky says that some mayors that were abducted by invading Russian forces have been found dead. He doesn't say which ones. He just says some mayors. Um, The U.S. This is interesting. The U.S. deploys 200 Marines and some fighter jets to Lithuania as part of NATO's response to Russian military aggression in Eastern Europe. Russia's only military aggression is in Ukraine. Right now. Not in Lithuania. Lithuania. Right. I I don't know. It's just, oh, we deployed 200 Marines. Where? Not to where the war is, but just around there. It's, it's more of that. It's like, oh, we're all going to, we got your back, Ukraine. And then they all gather in the surrounding countries. Because we don't have Ukraine's back. Right, no. It's just show. And all these idiots... And just 200 Marines. Yeah, 200. That's nothing. Yeah, I, I wonder what they're poised to do. I... And all these dorks flying flags that say we stand with Ukraine. How do you stand with Ukraine? Yeah, what are you doing for Ukraine? That's idiotic. Stop it. Uh, Russian officials agree to fundamentally cut back military activity... In the direction of Kiev and uh, Chernihiv during negotiations. Okay. I don't know why that is. Um, and then Ukrainian Deputy Prime Minister calls for Russia to withdraw from the Chernobyl exclusion zone and um, to pull out. U.S. officials say that Russian forces have begun withdrawing from Chernobyl area. And have moved into Belarus, and um, the, it looks like Russia is confirming. Yes, we are drawing out of Chernobyl. Oh, okay. So I don't know why or what that is. Again, earlier they said phase one is completed. So I don't know if they have something up their sleeves or if they meant to go to Chernobyl to do something specific, and they already did that or what. Well, that could be, but. They're withdrawing. They're, hmm. I think a lot of people are taking this, are getting their hopes up. I I wouldn't. Yeah. No, but. Um, United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees says that more than 4 million Ukrainians have fled the country since the, this all started. Again, I just want to point out, if that's not what an attacked people do. You know, people fight for their country. And if they're not fighting for their country, it just tells me they don't want to fight for their country. Yeah. Uh, Four million, just to give you an idea of scale, uh, 
Ukraine has a population of about 44 million. That's like almost 10%. That would be like an equivalent of like 30 million leaving the United States. Yeah, it's a lot of people. Uh, I think that's about all I got. Except, well, so there was a court in one of the border towns in Poland uh, ruled that they are not allowed to push back uh, against the migrants. Oh. So migrants are coming to this town and the people in the town are saying, no, you don't, and pushing them back out of the border. I see. And they're being told by their courts, no, you can't do that. That's against Polish law. I don't know if it's still happening, but I know a lot of these Polish towns do not want all these Ukrainians. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't either. Yeah. Um, That is all of my Russian news. That's all for Russia. What about other parts of the world? All right. So, Human Rights Watch calls on Ethiopian government to investigate an airstrike on a school that was being used for IDPs. I ID. can't remember what that stands for exactly, but it's like people, refugees who haven't left their homeland. Oh, okay. So, refugees in uh, Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. Uh, it killed 57 people. Uh, they're describing it as a war crime, but it sounds like it's coming from Ethiopians. So, I don't know, Ethiopia apparently is having a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. You know, you remember growing up, that was the... That was the poor country. That was the poster poor, yeah. you know? They had all those kids as big as toothpicks. And I remember back then, our you know, we would talk about it and I didn't quite understand it, but mom would always tell us they're not poor because they don't have resources. They're poor because they're not allowed to use their resources. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. They're they're poor because of their government. They're, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a government situation, not a not a, a natural situation like a famine yeah. or a, you know, whatever. Yeah. If it's a famine, and they, they could get over a famine. And yeah. We have ways of dealing with that. We we build dams, but they won't build dams. Oh, well. Uh, World Health Organization announces that a polio vaccination campaign will begin in these, like, Zambia and Malawi. Uh, a bunch of South African mm-hmm. places, I think. I don't know. I don't trust that at all. I would not... I don't know why. I, this is headed up by um, people like Bill Gates. Yeah, sounds like they're using them and as guinea pigs. I would worry about it. Yeah, yeah they, they've been doing that. that. Uh, 14-year-old boy dies falling off a, you know, one of those drop drop zone type rides. Oh, really? In uh, Florida. Yeah, in Orlando. At Icon Park. He must have, like, I, like per- squeezed out of his seat or something? Because they lock you in pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, well, it, it, I would say it was a mechanical failure. Uh, Vicky described it to me, but she kept describing it, and it kind of, I don't know. I didn't want to hear about it anymore. I'm like, all right, all right, you got to quit talking about it. Yeah. Um, and here I am talking about it. But, but wow. It, it sounds like a, a some kind of mechanical okay. Like the seat opened up or something. Failure. Man. Yeah. Um, South Korean military says that it has conducted multiple missile drills in response to North Korea launching a missile. North Korea 
is suspected of testing an ICBM for the first time since November 2017. Um, this missile is said to be capable of reaching Guam and launched towards the Sea of Japan. The White House press secretary condemns the North Korean missile launch. I we go through this yeah, every week. Everyone, there's always talk about North Korea. Why don't you just? I don't know. It's just so weird to me that we keep talking about North Korean launching missiles. What if? What if we just said? What if we stop paying attention? I don't know. Is he really going to launch one that's going to uh, do something? I mean, we could we could wipe out that whole nation in a matter of minutes. Yeah. So why are we still talking about right. it? I mean, that's that that's an easy country to you know keep in line. Or we we wouldn't have to wipe them out. We could go in and overtake them. And this isn't like North Vietnam where there's a bunch of committed guerrillas. Mm-hmm. Again, these are people who are being forced to fight. That's why South Vietnam lost. Because their people were being forced to fight while North Korean people were volunteering. North Vietnamese. North Korea's people, yeah, North Vietnamese were volunteers. Maybe they weren't volunteers, but they wanted to fight. Yeah. Um, not the case in North Korea. So it would not be hard to conquer that nation. But, oh well. Um, every week we got to talk about North Korea's yeah. missiles. Um <laughs> So Donald Trump files a lawsuit against Hillary Clinton, alleging that her campaign tried to rig the 2016 election by creating the false narrative uh, that Trump was somehow cooperating with Putin. Mm -hmm. He's seeking uh, punitive damages worth uh, $24 million. Wow. Now that... I don't know. I, I mean, that's just, okay, it is what... I don't know why you would do that. I don't know why you would care. Um, but then, later on the week, I see Federal Election Commission finds the Democratic National Committee and Hillary Clinton's 2016 campaign for violating rules when they funded the Steele dossier. Oh. Remember yeah. the one that made uh, accusations about him? Um and they are paying civil penalties of 105000 and 8000 which doesn't yeah, seem doesn't like very like much. <laughs> but maybe Trump's like, you know what, I'm going to take this. You've already a- agreed that they broke the rules. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to file a civil suit. Yeah. That would be funny if he won. <laughs> I kind of don't think he will, but no, it would but be it's... funny. Um, I guess there's a wildfire in... Oh! That's why they're leaving Chernobyl. Oh, there's a wildfire there? Yeah, 10,000 hectares of forest fires are currently burning near the Chernobyl exclusion zone. That's probably why they're leaving. I wonder... All right, now we have to go through the math again. How much is a hectare? A hectare's almost two and a half acres. Okay, so about 5,000. Less than... A little less than 5,000 acres no. on fire. Said 10, That's not that big. 10,000 hectares. So each hectare is a hectare two is, acres. So it's more like 25,000 okay, 20, acres. 25,000 acres on fire. Yeah. And they're like, eh, we don't want to fight fires. It's, we'll just go over here. 
let let you guys take care of that while we attack the rest of your country. Um, I have done so much news, I'm going to skip this one. 20 people are killed and four more are injured in a mass shooting at an illegal cockfighting pit in Mexico. Huh. Go figure. I guess they still do that down there. Do you know when we were growing up, uh, I would say, let's see, less than 30 years ago, cockfighting was still legal in Kentucky? Wow. You know, somehow it it seems to me that I remember knowing that. Yeah, I... I knew uh, guys who uh, raised game chicken mm-hmm. in in Ohio. They would take them down to Kentucky to fight them, yeah. but uh, they raised them and they made a living at it. Wow! And it, I don't. You, when you think of a cockfight, it's you have a picture. You think of two roosters just kind of clawing at each other. It's a lot. It's different than that. Um, they actually. Uh, they have uh, spurs that they put on their claws, oh, so it's so not so just regular claws. And stuff. Yeah, it's a big old oh, wow. knife on their claw. And they, they, they do it good. So, but that was legal in Kentucky less than thirty years ago. Man, hmm. but a bunch of people died in one because I don't know. I don't. It doesn't about the bedding, tell me maybe? what the. I don't know. I think that might be it, or maybe like the, maybe the guy who ran the joint was in trouble with the wrong people, you know, mm-hmm. some kind of uh, drug thing. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, so Joe Bynett signed that anti-lynching act, anti-lynching oh, act into law. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would keep my eyes on that. I, something's what, wrong yeah, what there. Is, I don't, what is that really about? That's, yeah, that's, that's a weird one. Yeah. That there's, there's something more that nobody's talking about on that and I haven't had the time to read it and I probably won't read it because I can't do anything about it anyway but there's something weird about that there's something they're not telling us and Hubble Space Telescope observes the most distant single star ever oh Uh, 28 billion light years away whoa whoa wait 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 28? So I don't understand. I thought, Is that? I thought we had only been able to see out the 14 billion light years so far. That, like, basically, we were thinking the universe was 14 billion years old. How? So if we're seeing 28 billion light years away, that means the universe is at least twice that old. Billion light years? Okay, so it's in a different galaxy altogether. It's not even a what did, galaxy. Did you say it's billion a single star a and a galaxy. B, 28 billion, whereas light years? our galaxy... Light years. That's like past Whereas the our galaxy is, the known is 52,000 uh, light years. Our galaxy is 52 and a half thousand light years big. So 58 billion light years away, I don't even... I can't even... We can't even comprehend how far away that is. Uh, the discovery surpasses Hubble's record from 2018 when it when a star that existed when the universe was roughly four billion years old when it detected that star. They're saying that the star dates back to nine million years after the Big Bang. Now some of these some of the crap they say like that, I'm like, yeah, okay, you you guys know it all, don't you? No, but but this is see that's that's why I'm calling bull on this because like if you go and Google Age of the Universe, 
you get about 14 billion years. And if that's true, then the farthest star that you should ever be, that it should be possible to ever see is only 14 billion light years away. Well, they're saying... They're saying twice that many. They're saying that the universe is 93 billion light years. If we're in the middle of that... I don't know. But think about it this way. It would take 28 billion years. It's It took, if they're right, 28 billion years for the light to get from that star to us. Yeah, okay. But the universe is only 14 billion years old. Yeah. That's how does that work? Exactly. This, this does not work. There's there's something wrong here. There's something that's not computing. Okay, hold on. How old is the universe? Okay, it's 93 billion light years big, approximately 14 billion years old. Yeah, that's BS. Are they are they possibly um, projecting? Saying at this point, the star that we seeing we're seeing is twenty eight billion light years away. Oh, like like based on how it was moving or something. Yeah, so we're seeing it now, and this is where it is now. It took uh, it took ten billion years for the light to get to us. So we're seeing something ten billion light years away, but it's moving at a certain speed. So by now. That star that we see currently is 28 billion light years away. Maybe that's what's going on. That could be. That's the only way it could be. But you'd think they would give that explanation because the math otherwise is so obviously wrong. Yeah, otherwise they're just flapping their jaws trying to impress people. We saw light 28 billion years away. Like, no. Yeah, okay, all right. Well, well, in any case... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Still pretty cool. It is pretty cool. See something that small and that dim and that far away. Um, and that's all the news I got. All right. Okay, well, I got a little bit of news. Uh, first, you may remember I wrote a letter to my bishop um, about my son's wedding. Um, he, he's getting married. The original plan that was worked out with him and his fiance and the uh, priest uh, was that they were going to have a traditional wedding with a traditional mass um, and he you know they were both really excited about this Um, and then this Tradiciones Custodas um, came uh, you know and kind of loused things up for them so um, the thing is, Father Hallowell, who, who is the priest marrying them, he's a very busy priest. He's a very good priest. Um, yeah. And, and he's the one who told them that, you know, yeah, he talked to the bishop and he's not going to be able to do it that way. So they have to have just a regular wedding mass. He, they, they will do it in Latin, but yeah. it, it will be a Novus Ordo. It's not going to be a Tridentine mass. Yeah. Um, so I decided to write to the uh, bishop and my argument uh, was that, hey, Bishop, you have the authority to do this because Tradiciones Custodes did not take away your authority to grant a one-off permission for this Mass. So anyway, okay. I wrote to the Bishop explaining, first of all, that 
you know, my son and his fiance are very disappointed because this was taken away from them. And the original plan was really for a um, traditional mass. They made the request to the priest and he said yes and it was going to happen. And then they lost it. And so... So you sent the bishop and did he return Why? Well, he did reply, but my point is, in the letter, I explained why I'm writing to him directly rather than my son doing it through Father Hallowell. Okay, so he replied, I'm going to read the letter. It's a short one. I'm just going to read the letter. First of all, you know, to tell you how seriously he took it on the address, it's on the envelope, it's addressed to Mr. David Engel. Um, Mr. David, huh? Yeah. So, uh... Dear Mr. Engel, this is to acknowledge receipt of your letter dated March 19th, uh, 2022, concerning your son's upcoming wedding. First and foremost, please extend my congratulations to your son and his fiancée as they prepare to embark on the sacred adventure of beginning their marriage and family. As Father John Hallowell had made clear to your son, the permission to celebrate the wedding within the extraordinary form is not to be granted. Such clarification on the instructions of the Pope Francis's motu proprio traditionis custodas was provided by the Holy See earlier this year. While this is obviously important to you, given your extensive letter, it is interesting that your son and his bride to be did not make the request did not make the request for their wedding. Uh, with the assurance of my prayers and best wishes for you and your family, I remain sincerely yours in Christ. Now, first of all, that last line, interesting that your son and his bride to be did not make the request. Yes, they did. That was the original plan. And I explained that in the letter. And I also explained why I was appealing directly to the bishop because of the timeliness of the matter. So it's like, okay, you took three seconds to maybe read my letter and you didn't even bother to absorb what I said. But what really bugs me is that he simply says, such clarification on the instructions to the motu proprio was provided by the Holy See earlier this year. Well, no, it wasn't. And I demonstrated in my letter that it wasn't. Now, if the bishop had said, oh, you don't know about some communications we've had from the Holy See that weren't made public, but he did clarify this and and in, in private letters to all the bishops, okay, that's something that I could accept. Or if he had said, okay, I've read your argument, and here's why you're wrong. Here's where you went wrong. Here's what you didn't understand about this or something like that. All right, I could see that. Or if, if he had even said, okay, I've read your argument and I understand it. Um, unfortunately, I don't have time to explain all the reasons to you why it doesn't work. I could even get that. Or if he just said the answer's no. Or, yeah, or if he had said, all right, I understand your argument, but... As the archbishop, you know, I've decided this is how I want my diocese to be and stood on his own authority and his own power. But he didn't. He, first of all, took the cowardly way of punting his own authority and appealing to a lack of permission to the Holy See. And he did so in a way that puts him like three steps behind the conversation. Yeah. Really annoying. And, you know, I. Chances are he didn't read it and chances are he's not the one who wrote that letter that's you know that's even possible but I, you know but it's, it's I, since his name is on his it his name's on it we can still attribute it can, to him yeah. and we can still call him out on this yeah. and we could still publicly say 
Look how retarded my bishop is. Yeah, I know. That's. I mean, I I have every, you know, reverence for the office of the archbishop, but, uh, and and I even you know trust in God's providence of putting this particular man in that office at this time. But, but for heaven's sakes, I mean, my my estimation of the man himself is just like you know diminished considerably. Uh, yeah. Or, or, you know, actually, I, you know, that's not true. I, I, I'll, I, not I'll mine, because I never thought much of him anyway. I, I was going to say, it, it's not that my estimation has diminished. It's that I hoped that maybe he was, you know, a greater man than I assumed he was. Because this is actually yeah. what I did expect. But I hoped yeah. that, that he would rise, you know, more well to the occasion. And he failed and he dashed my hopes. So well, when he wouldn't let a priest hear confession, that's all I need to hear about. Yeah, him. actually, and you know what? That's true. I, I think it should be called out. What can and, you expect from a bishop uh, who tells a priest he can't hear confessions? This, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm tired of Two dancing around these priests. things and being respectful. He's a coward. Yeah, he's a wimp, and he ought to be gone. That's all there is yeah, to we it. Need, we need I'm tired bishops of this. replaced with manly bishops. All right, disgusting. So All right. that was my first. That's my like personal like gripe. Okay. Yeah. So um, this just kind of made me think of you. A guy um, is proposing that the solution to the rising fuel prices is an electric unicycle. Hmm. <laughs> guy in Massachusetts How says he you... uses it to get to work in four minutes where it used to take him eight minutes in a car or something like that. <laughs> so he has one and he rides it around? Yep. No seat or handlebars, just places for his feet. For his feet. Um, it goes uh, speeds up to 40 miles an hour and 70 to 80 miles on a charge. Okay, so what I want to know is when it is moving, are his feet moving? Actually, no. I think I think it's actually more like one of those. Um, what do you call them? The 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 things where you kind of stand and, and lean forward um, yeah. to go. Except I, this I is a unicycle in the sense that called. the stand is on the on on each side of the single wheel in the middle. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say because I, the big thing on a unicycle is that the wheel only moves with your feet. There's no chain or clutch. No, in order yeah, to, there's no gear ratio. You can't coast. <laughs> or rather, yeah. the gear ratio is one. <laughs> I used to, uh, there's a strip of bars on uh, Glenmore Avenue. Mm-hmm. And there's often, during the day, there would be old men in all these bars. They're all drunk and... Uh, That's how they lived their day. I, they were tired. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would, we had goats, and I would get on my unicycle and hold a banjo and tie a, a goat around my waist. I would oh, like, tie yeah. it to his collar. Mm-hmm. Kind of a young one that I could still guide, and I would drive past on the unicycle playing the banjo and walking a goat. And then, and then I'd get out of the way. I'd, get to a corner and then hide behind it and see how many people would come out and say, did you see that? That was so weird. It was, it was fun. Some of these old men and they'd be arguing, no, I'm not drunk, man. That's funny. The things I used to do when I was younger. 
the time I'm I had. You didn't to get myself. like a little bit of a following. You guys like throwing your coins or something. <laughs> no, I would. I would. I would hurry up and get out of the way before oh, they could see. Oh, okay. Me. It's like they would see me drive Through by. The that's it. And then, oh, okay. And then they'd come out. and You'd be gone already. Yeah, and they and their friends would be like, "You did not see that." <laughs> yeah, there was, yeah, he was really playing did. a banjo, and he had a goat. <laughs> They're thinking, okay, you've had too much to drink. It's only two yeah. o'clock. <laughs> that was the idea. That's hilarious. All right. Okay. Okay. So in uh, in the UK, um, a town, um, well, London, I guess, <laughs> kind of misses the point. <laughs> so a guy. Uh, built a shark like built on top of his roof like built a sculpture of a shark like crashed into his roof okay i guess you think of sharknado and you know one of the sharks yeah okay um this was back in uh i think the 80s or something so anyway it's like a 25 foot tall sculpture it's you know you can really see it well yeah, and the guy you know who owns the house now it, his name is magnus hansen hein uh, I think his grandfather, yeah, his father, no, not his grandfather, his father is the one who built it. And he thinks it's great. But mm-hmm. the Oxford City Council uh, designated the structure a heritage site that makes it a special, marks it as a special contribution to the community. Um, which really kind of I haunts him that. off because it misses the whole point. When his father built the shark, he did it without getting any kind of permits as a sort of, you know, giving the finger to the the city because he felt like he shouldn't need permits for stupid stuff like that. Okay. Um, So now... And now now they're they're celebrating it. They're celebrating it it and and even marking it as a... uh, Landmark. uh, Yeah. Like a landmark. Like a a heritage site. Yeah. Right. Which I guess probably means that, like, if he wanted to, he wouldn't be allowed to take it down or something like that. He should just go take it down now, <laughs> now that they've done Yeah, that. now that they they don't understand. So he was saying... It was a protest I, and I, piece from the beginning. It was a protest. He He's like, well, uh, I'll do whatever I want on my property and build an ugly shark sticking out of his roof. <laughs> um, you know, last week we talked about Joe Martin. Yeah. Um, his lawn. He's a crazy guy, and he was getting tickets from the city because he wouldn't mow his lawn. So he took a bunch of old doors and storm windows and stuff like that and covered his lawn with them and, and painted, painted them, them all green. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that. That's <laughs> kind of a giving his finger to the judge yep. there. <laughs> he, he went to jail too. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, they arrested his, his him. Kids were all out of his house, so he could do stuff like that. Yeah. All right. Uh, next item. Okay, and this is one of those. Uh, you know, people are scrambling to see how. Uh, I don't know how. I don't know what the adjective to use is, but it, it's like you know Dyson who makes the vacuum cleaner. Yeah. Okay. So they they came up with a wearable air purifier with noise canceling headphones, and it's like, boy, these people want to grow up in a bubble. I know. It, it's like, 
why not just like build a complete shield around you and you don't even have to look at people for real. You could just have sort of this monitor in front of your eyes with cameras on the outside so that you don't have to interact with the real world at all. Do air purifiers really work? Do they do anything? I don't know. That That's what I... You know I've like, never had one. Okay. Um, we know someone who... Um, or we knew someone. They're dead now, so I'm not going to say their name. Um, but they were just very, very, very messy people. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't... I remember being to the apartment once or twice. I don't remember seeing, like, old food. Mm -hmm. But everything else you can think of, laying around, covering everything, there were no clean services in the whole place. Oh. Um, And they both smoked. Mm -hmm. One smoked cigarettes, the other smoked a cigar. It was a place you feel disgusting in as soon as you walk in. And... But they had like two or three air purifiers. And to be honest, the place didn't stink. Oh, no kidding. (laughs) And I always wondered about that. Is it because they did something else? Or is it because they didn't stink? Or is it because those air purifiers really actually did something? Maybe they were. I'm thinking about getting one. One or two. They had real big ones. Yeah, they were like like floor-sized fans that were blowing... A lot of air through. Oh, okay. I wonder if so you were, like the you, fans were. Like I would imagine you could of the air purifier, or did they have like the air purifier and then put yeah. fans up next to them? No, the the fans were the air okay. purifiers. If I understood it right, I was a mm-hmm. teenager when I was there. I imagine they've got them now, where you just install them into your furnace if you got forced air. Oh, right. I don't know, but I've always wondered about that. Do air purifiers actually do anything, or is it one of those things that it just makes people feel better? about whatever, you know, because people are wimps and they think they have to have cleaner air than everyone else. Yep. I've got asthma. I can't breathe normal air. (laughs) I I hate people with asthma. If you're you're living in a place like, like, I was just reading through the article and like some of their testing was in Beijing, uh, you know, where it's extremely smoggy. Um, in fact, I don't know if you remember a few years ago when they had the Olympics there and there was concerns about the athletes' health because it's so smoggy and they had to undergo this, wow. this massive uh, industrial, I don't know, some kind of smog control um, yeah. to, just, just to, to clear the air up enough to be able to compete um, without, uh, excuse me, I don't know, passing out or something. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, maybe there's maybe there's parts of the world where people really do need something like that. Yeah, I would think you'd have to be rich to have one. I mean, yeah, I, they I, they look expensive. Oh well. Yep. Anyway, just weird. I've <laughs> yeah. Everybody wants to live in a manufactured environment. Yeah, it's a wimp. Yep. All right. Uh, this last one, I, I had to send you a picture. It's not a news link that I could send but it's a um, so last week I went to uh, New York and I flew okay and that's that's why we had to do our podcast early on Tuesday as my boarding pass was scanned my seat I was informed that my seat was changed from row 10 um, to row 14 so four rows further back 
on this big empty plane with all of these seats empty, they moved me back four seats so that I had somebody immediately to my left. I was still in the aisle seat, so immediately to my left on the window seat, immediately to my right across the aisle, and ended up sitting in the seat diagonally across from me, uh, or okay, diagonally in the, front of why? me. Why? What's that? Why? Why did they move you? I have no idea. But it's like... Well, why Why are you connecting it to COVID? I'm, well, my, I'm just pointing out that for apparent that for no apparent reason because the plane had all these empty seats up there they stuck me with they moved me to stick me with a whole bunch of other people yeah even I know. though I'm, they claim to I be mean, are... big on helping prevent the spread of covid if i were carrying covid oh, okay. they moved me from a place where i was going to be completely harmless to a place where i could spread it to a bunch of other people that's yeah. I don't, the I, silliness of Delta. I don't know why they moved you, though. I have no idea why they moved me, either. I wonder why. But it's oh. like, okay, you you want me to stop sitting where I'm, you know, isolated and sit with a bunch of other people. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> it And it shows you that in spite of all of the talk, COVID's not really on anybody's mind anyway. Yeah. I don't think they are even talking about COVID anymore, are they? They do. That they, they have the announcements that come over about... You know, all the stuff that they do and, and how they sanitize the plane between flights. And oh, one more thing I want to bring up. Um, so, one of the flights um, that I took, I ended up sitting at the, the door is there, and it's basically just a handle that you can reach up, grab a hold of, you yank the handle, pull the door into the plane, detach it at the bottom, and toss it out the plane. The door itself weighs about 40 pounds. So in the case of an emergency, you have to be able and willing to help by pulling the door out and, you know, and then helping get things moving where people can get off the plane. And so they okay. ask all of you, are you willing and able to, to help with this? But, oh, and they have, you have to give a verbal response, but the handle's right there for the whole flight. And they don't ask you, are you mentally stable? Yeah, I always wondered about that. I mean, they... Okay, so if I were a hijacker, hijacker, um, I don't... Instead of saying, I have a bomb, I would just grab that handle and say, all right, do what I say, or I'm going to pull this handle. Yeah. Now, here's why I think and, that it wouldn't work. Like Because I, I was actually thinking this through during that whole flight, uh, which made my wife very nervous. But I think, you because know, when you get up in above, I don't know, whatever, 5,000, 10,000 feet, the air starts thinning out. Yeah. And the cabin's pressurized, and it's low pressure outside and high pressure inside. I think that the, yeah. the cabin pressurization would make it so that even if you tried to open the door, you wouldn't be able to. The pressure would hold it shut against your efforts. When you're at Oh, because you'd have to pull it. Yeah, you have to pull it into the plane, and I don't think you'd be able to unless you're almost at ground level anyway. Yeah, that makes so, sense. Okay. So that, that kind of resolved that, okay, it's not really that big a deal. <laughs> so I will not try to so don't try. Uh, hijack yeah, don't, a plane don't that way. Don't try hijacking a plane that way. They'll be like, sure, go ahead. <laughs> right, I dare you. you can. <laughs> all right, that's all, all right. right. Okay, I got to see. Awesome. 
Saint Alban, uh, considered one considered the first martyr in Britain. Um, there are arguments over the date of his death. Uh, some people say 304 A.D. Some people say 20 something A.D. But the best guess is that he died during uh, Diocletian's uh, persecution. Um, he was in a town that is now named St. Alban. Um, and persecution broke out there. There was a priest in the area and Alban said he could hide in his home mm -hmm. while whoever it was was looking for him. Um, but somehow the, uh, the government found out that the priest was there, so they sent someone to arrest him. St. Alban switched clothes with the priest and allowed himself to be uh, uh, taken, arrested. Now, this is, this is after he had been so uh, taken by the priest that he had had the priest baptized. Oh, okay. So at this point, he is a Christian, and he's helping the priest escape. Um, uh, the judge finally discovers that it's not the priest, that it's someone else. But St. Alban still would not deny his faith. So he has him whipped. He still won't deny his faith. So he says, all right, you're going to be executed. So the judge sends St. Alban with his executioners out to some kind of hill. Um, but they have to cross a river. Some people say it's the River Thames. Some others say it's the Ver River, okay. F -E or V-E-R yeah. River. Um, either way, they had to go over a bridge and there were bunches of people at the bridge because they just wanted to watch the execution. There were so many people that they couldn't get through. St. Alban wanted to speed this up because he wanted to be martyred. And so he told the water to dry up and the river dried up and they were able to cross on the land and not use the bridge. So they go up the hill by the time they get to the top of the hill, his execu executioner is converted and he refuses to uh, cut St. Alban's head off. Uh, they find another guy. Okay, you're going to chop his head off. So he chops his head off, but he immediately goes blind. In some of the stories, his eyes actually fall out. Oh. Um, but St. Alban's head drops off, rolls down a hill, and where it stops, a spring grows there. Um, and the executioner later, uh, becomes a Christian, the, the second executioner. Eventually, both the executioners are stoned to death for becoming Christian. And the priest who had been hiding the whole time, when he finds out that St. Alban had been arrested, he, and, and was gonna be, uh, martyred, he went and turned himself in and he was also martyred. So there's like one, two, three, four martyrs there in this story of St. Wow. Alban. St. Alban is the uh, patron of converts, refugees, and torture victims. Refugees? Oh, because he hid the priest. I don't know why. Yeah, okay, so he hid the priest. He was tortured, but they don't... There's no real stories about him being tortured a lot. It's mainly just whipped. Oh, okay. But um, that is his patronage. He's also considered by some to be the patron of Great Britain. Um, and 
I think there was a movement to change Great Britain's patron saint from St. George to St. Alban, but it, it didn't go anywhere. Okay. I think because of arguments over how much of the legends are real. But, uh, I don't know, interesting story about yet another martyr in the day and age when martyrs were not afraid. And uh, if you wanted to be a Christian, you could not be a wimp. And he followed the example. I mean, he was baptized and then stepped out to be martyred. Yeah, yeah. He, he just wasn't afraid of it. All right, so I'm going to die. So what? I go to heaven. That's that's what you got against me? You're going to send me to heaven? You know, Do your worst. The, the, the priests back then, the preachers back then, must have had a way of describing the kingdom of God and the glories of martyrdom and, and the glories of, of uh, joining Christ on the cross and, and so forth. I mean, that just inspired people. Yeah, that people were so taken with yeah. it. Yeah, it was like, wow, I want to be a part of that. And then they convert other people on their way to being yeah. execute, mm-hmm. executed, you know? And it's there was something in the air, and uh, we need it back. Yeah. Especially here in America. We'll start with the bishop in uh, Indianapolis and the one in Cincinnati. We need to pray for strong bishops, strong priests. And if we get that strong American. All right, well, we need to pray for a strong pope. Yeah. And that's all we got, I think. Okay. Well, think about what we said, folks. And as always, we'll see you next week. 